Hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast. Yes, we have a new show with new episodes. The format of the show is a little bit different. It is broken up into three parts. The first part, Moments of Awe, where I share actionable tips, strategies and coaching models that you can implement in your daily life for massive improvements. And a new part of the show, Tips from My Pen, where I share my insights from my morning pages. And last but not least, Purposeful Conversations with our Radical Shifts series, where we have honest chats with change instigators, compelling creators, and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. Today we have another super amazing guest for you, Anita Morjani, who is an international speaker and the author of New York Times bestseller, Dying to Be Me, and her latest book, What If This Is Heaven? She is a woman with a remarkable story. After a four-year battle with cancer, Anita fell into a coma and was given days to live. As her doctors gathered to revive her, she journeyed into a near-death experience where she was given the choice to return to her physical form or to continue into this new realm. She chose the former. And when she regained consciousness, her cancer began to heal. To the amazements of her doctors, she was free of countless tumors and cancer indicators within weeks. It's now time to tune into Anita. Enjoy. So welcome to the Radical Shifts Summit. We have a super amazing guest. As you can tell, I'm very excited. We've got Anita Morjani. Welcome. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. And I'm having a look at the difference. Obviously, it's winter here in Melbourne and I've got the layers on and it's obviously summer. You're at the end of your world. Yes. And it's, it's like we're going through a heat wave. So it's not just summer. It's hot. <laughs> really? How, yeah. how, how hot is hot? So in, um, you know, I, I think in centigrade Celsius, which I think you Australians do as well. So it's like 30, 31, 32, depending on where in LA you are. Wow. That is so hot. That's, that's pretty hot. Um, over here, the people speak in Fahrenheit, which is still foreign to me. <laughs> Yes, same. Absolutely the same. So Anita, how we love to start our sessions is always uh, to get a bit of an understanding of your life story and what's been that radical shift for you. And tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. So um, in 2006, I, I had end stage cancer. Actually, I was diagnosed in 2002. So by 2006, it was end stage. It was lymphoma that had spread all over my 
body, it had metastasized, and so it spread throughout my lymphatic system. And February the 2nd, 2006, I went into a coma and my organs shut down and the doctors said that this was going to be the last day of my life. They said I wasn't even going to make it through the night, that it was now final. Um, but unbeknownst to everyone around me, even though my physical body was in a coma, I was able to see, hear and feel everything that was happening around me. I could I could see what the doctors were doing. I could hear what they were saying. I heard them tell my family that these were my final hours. And so I started to become aware that I'm dying. But what was interesting is I could no longer feel my body. In other words, all the pain that I had was gone because I had been in so much pain and so much discomfort, particularly in the last few weeks leading up to this because I had skin lesions, um, I had fluid in the lungs. I couldn't lie flat or I would choke on my own fluid. And um, I couldn't lie down. I couldn't sit up. Whatever I did, I felt really uncomfortable. And my body was no longer absorbing nutrition, so my muscles had deteriorated. I didn't have any strength in my body. And so now I was in a coma. I actually felt amazing. I felt light and I felt free and all the fear was gone. So not just the pain, but the fear, because I feared, I feared the cancer. I feared the treatments. I feared death. I feared everything, but I felt completely detached from my body and from the world. And it felt incredible. And, um, and of course, I, I speak about this on videos and write about it in my book, Dying to Be Me. So I'm going to share with you a slightly shorter version because what I love to do is to get into the lessons of what I learned from, from that side. But what happened is that I felt as though my, um, my spirit or my essence or my consciousness was like expanding and continued to go deeper into that other realm, into the death realm. My whole family, I was aware of them in the hospital room and they were distraught. But I was like immersed in this whole experience that, um, that has been termed a near-death experience. And I met my deceased dad. And at the point I met him, um, he told me it wasn't my time and I needed to go back. But the thing is, when I was growing up, um, I used to have a really turbulent relationship with my dad. And so when, um, so I always thought that I was going to be judged by him or I, I always felt guilty as to how much pain I'd put him through because I was pretty rebellious as a, as a child. And my parents are Indian, they're Hindu, and they had certain cultural values they wanted me to follow, which I rebelled against. I ran away from an arranged marriage. And here I was now on the other side with the essence or the spirit of my dad. And all I felt from him was pure, unconditional love. I've never felt so much love from him in my physical life. And that's when I realized that when we cross over, when we die, we don't just leave behind our physical bodies, but we leave behind our culture, our beliefs, um, and all the layers of beliefs that we've accumulated over a lifetime. And I realized that just as much 
as I had been a victim of my culture, my dad was a victim of the same culture. And I realized that when we leave behind all of this, in fact, you leave behind your gender, I mean, everything, the only thing that crosses over is your pure essence, your pure soul. We can call it pure God or pure love. And in that state, it was like I was in a state of clarity where I understood why I got cancer. I understood how every thought and every decision and every choice I had made in my life had led to that point of me getting cancer. And so my dad wanted me to know that now I knew this truth. Now I knew who I am. I needed to go back and that it wasn't my time to die. Um, but no part of me wanted to come back because it was so beautiful on that side. I felt like I was enveloped in this feeling of like unconditional love. And that's the only thing I can call it is unconditional love. I don't know what else to call it, but it really was something I've never felt ever before in this physical life. Um, so I didn't want to come back, but my dad kept saying, if you don't go back, you'll be wasting the gift and the lessons because you've suffered enough. You need to go back. So finally, I made the decision to come back when I realized that because I knew what I knew now, um, that my physical body would heal. And so when I made the decision to come back, my dad said, go back and live your life fearlessly. And then my physical body started to open my eyes and I started to gain my health and my family were really, really shocked. The doctors were shocked. They didn't know what to make of me or what to put into my medical records. I'm so glad this happened in a hospital because people can't challenge that it actually happened. You know, they still do try and challenge what I experienced and saw and felt on the other side, but they can't challenge the fact that I was dying and then I came out of the coma and the cancer just healed. So I was in the coma for about 30 hours and I had been connected to all these tubes. But after coming out of the coma, within four days, the tumors shrunk by 70%. Within three weeks, they could find no trace of cancer in my body. But I was still weak and within five weeks, um, I was released to go home and live my life cancer-free, and that was 12 years ago. Wow, that's super amazing. Anita, I have a question. As I'm sitting here, filled with goosebumps, and I think my crown chakra is just opening up very wide, uh, I'm just wondering, are you still experiencing that unconditional love today? I do. So here's the thing. It feels like I have one foot on each side, and I have to consciously uh, stay. So once you kind of have an experience like that and people can attain it, you know, through spiritual experiences, meditations, things like that, you can experience that side. But the idea is not about constantly um, trying to meditate or whatever. The idea is to bring that side here and to live that here. And so that side is the state of love. And I can be in that state, but there are things here in this world, in our paradigm, which brings you back here with a thud. So the way I usually phrase it 
is like having one foot on each side. On one side, it's the love-based side, which is your connection to the universe, to, to your calling, to, your, to life's longings. And it's a love-based feeling and knowing and a trusting that I am connected, I am loved, and it feels fantastic. The other side is this fear-based paradigm that is our physical world. And it's, um, and when I am constantly living on the love-based side, the side I experienced when I had the NDE, when you're constantly living in that side and you try to express from that side and you try to share it with the people here, the people here make you feel like you're delusional and they bring you back to this fear-based paradigm. So what I've realized is that it can be lonely to be there, but it's beautiful to be there. And you, re you, know, you realize that your community and many of the people you know, your friends, are all in this fear-based paradigm and you have to keep coming here to be with them. And, and very often, even the people you're very close to aren't always ready to cross over to where you are because their mind won't let them. Their mind has them entrenched in a fear-based living. And I can get into more about that, but, but yes, that's what it's like. I would love for you to get more into that because it's actually interesting. We were just talking about that yesterday and I'd love to get your insight on, on the love and fear. Uh, you know, sometimes when we're so looking at the, I call it having your rose glasses on. So you're always looking at the positive with every situation. It's really how we respond and react. So I look at it and go, what's the beauty in this? You know, what's my lesson in this rather than going to that fear side and, and probably look at it from a negative point of view with a different colored glasses, if you like to, to call that. Uh, the thing is, it's like, how do we, sometimes when we are so, and this is the feedback I, I received, is when you come from that light all the time, looking at things so positive, sometimes you miss those, the little signposts yeah. because you've got the rose colored glasses on compared to standing back and being the observer, not being too entrenched in one or the either, but being the observer and having a look at it from a different perspective, you're not getting pulled towards one or the other, and then you can be the observer. What are your thoughts about that? Okay, so let me tell you my thoughts on that. So one of the uh, issues that happens, so going back to trying to be positive and looking at things through the rose-tinted glasses, um, I also feel that there are some flaws in doing that, just like you feel that way. There are some flaws because you miss some things. But the other thing that this causes you to do is it makes you really judgmental towards anything that you feel is negative. And so I think this is what your conversation was trying to say, is that step back and don't judge what's negative, what's positive. So exactly right. I'm 100% with you on that because I feel exactly the same way that when you try to be too positive, you become judgmental and you start saying, oh, don't be so negative and I don't want to be around you because you're negative. So this is why it's very important for me to elaborate. Like even when I say that we live in a fear-based paradigm, um, it's not about negative and positive. So I want to give you a different analogy that I use. So for example, when I feel fear, I don't judge it as bad. I used to judge it as bad. I used to think, oh, I shouldn't be feeling fear. That's bad. That's a negative emotion. And so this was before I had the NDE. And, and so what happens is when you're judging it as bad, you then start fearing the fear. 
And so, uh, and also you fear negativity because you judge it as bad. It's like, oh, I don't want negativity in my life because it causes cancer. It makes me sick. So I, or I don't want toxic people in my life. So you start fearing all this and you make your world smaller and smaller. So this is actually what I was already doing before I even got cancer. When I got cancer or when I died, when I was on the other side, it made me realize that the one missing element was truly about loving and honoring myself. So if I feel fear, if I feel something that feels like a negative emotion, I have to allow it. I have to actually allow it and love myself through it and say to myself, okay, what I'm feeling right now doesn't feel great. So it's like even when I had cancer, I judged the cancer. I was like, what am I doing wrong? Where am I being negative? What can I do? No, it's really about relaxing and saying, I'm going through this challenge, but I'm not going to stop loving me. I'm going to love me even more. But we tend to judge ourselves when we face challenges. We tend to say, what am I doing wrong? Why is this bad thing happening to me? What can I change? What can I learn? Where's the lesson? I've stopped doing all of that. It's like, okay, this is happening to me. The lesson will unfold in its own time or reason, or I'll be able to look back and maybe there'll be no lesson. Maybe it's just a, an experience, but I'm going to love myself through this. And it's almost like, you know, when you have a really bad cramp in your leg, the more you try to stretch it out, the more it cramps up. Mm. You just have to relax and let it go through its own cycle and come out. And life is actually more like that. And if I can elaborate on it even a little bit more, yes, please. this is what I actually like to tell people. So I want you to imagine that you are blind. You can't see. And imagine that you were born blind. You've never had sight in your life. So you've never had sight. And because you've never had sight, you don't know, for example, the meaning of color. If someone says, this is red, this is blue, you're like, no, I can't tell the difference. I don't know what you're talking about. Or if they say, the sky is blue, there's a bird flying in the sky, there's a rainbow, you're like, I have no clue what they're saying. Now, imagine even things like um, distance. If someone says, that wall is 20 feet away, you're like, I, how do I know it's 20 feet away? I have to walk the steps to measure it. Or if someone says, that building is 12 stories high, you don't know it's 12 stories high just by looking at it. And even when you go in a building and you go in an elevator, do you really understand what's happening when you get in an elevator and come out on a different floor? What is going through your head? Like, where are you going in this box? You actually have to take the stairs to measure each floor. So now imagine if one day you have sight so put yourself in this position as, you know, and this is for the listeners and all. One day you have sight. And when you have sight, it's like, oh my God, everything makes sense. That's what rainbows are. That's what it means that the sky is blue. That's what it means to be able to fly. A bird flies. That's what an airplane does. That's how I go from one country to another. That's what an elevator does. Think of how much your perception of the world around you changes just how much it changes. Now, imagine, though, if you go back again to being blind, like one day, two days later, you go back to being blind. Nothing can take away the sight you had for those two days. Nothing can take it away. But imagine that you live in a 
a home, a retreat center or something, or a, a, a center where everybody else is blind. It's a center that is for blind people. And so there you are with all these blind people and you've had the experience of having sight and everyone, everyone around you has been blind their whole lives. And you're like trying to explain to them and you're trying to say, no, the elevator is a shortcut. And they're saying, no, I don't trust the elevator. I'm scared of the elevator. I need to walk so I know that I'm going to the correct floor. Or, you know, they get scared because a bird poops on them. And you're saying, no, it's nothing. It's just a bird. So your understanding of the world changes completely. And so now it's very easy for you to understand going from being a blind person to a sighted person, going from four sensory being to a five sensory being. Imagine as a five sensory being, you as a five sensory being, have an experience that takes you to being a six sensory being, that takes you to an understanding, a level of understanding where you can actually see how your emotions and your feelings affect you and affect your physical body. Um, and you can, and this is what I really want to talk about a bit more, that you can physically, imagine you can physically see energy. Imagine you have an experience where you can see energy. You can see your energy, everybody's energy, and you can see how the energy is, how big it is, how small it is, how depleted it is, how strong it is. Even if you lose that ability to see it, you understand how it is that people's lives work and how our lives work and what energizes us, what depletes us, what causes illness. What Your understanding is different, completely different. You can never go back to the way you were, but you also understand why people see things the way they do, why they see illnesses the way they do, why they fear illnesses and so on. Does that kind of make sense to you? Absolutely. Anita, I'm connecting with your story even more so now, the way that you've described that. You know, it's it's almost like what you went through, it's an initiation, even though because you've come back and you've been initiated into a different realm, you have a different perspective of the world and and our emotions. And, and I love the piece when you're talking about don't get in your way of your emotions, just sur- surrender, allow them to flow through because yeah. they've come up for a, a purpose. And I think yeah. sometimes we try to control, like you're saying, oh, and that's a negative feeling. I better not, you know, I don't want that to come up. So you repress it yes. and not deal with it. Where, I mean, I, I have to say that I have a, I always call it my bus of emotions. So when they come up, I don't ignore them. But I do say I will attend to you later, making sure that I'm in the right environment to do so. How do you deal with your emotions when they come up? I make sure that I'm in the right environment to deal with them too. And I make sure that I allow my emotions. I have to allow pain, fear without suppressing it. And that's one of the things that, you know, when we go into believing that Um, being positive creates a positive reality, we end up judging what we feel is negative. I actually believe that we have to love ourselves enough to allow everything to come up. And it's not about wallowing in negativity. It's about allowing it to come up with love to allow it to pass because you cannot get rid of fear with fear. You cannot fear 
fear, you can't get rid of fear by fearing the fear. You can't get rid of negativity by fearing negativity. What you're doing is, in fact, you're pushing it down and it pushes back harder. You can only transcend fear by giving it love. And the way to give it love is by allowing it, hearing it. And when you love it, because you can't have fear and love together in the same room or in the same space. So the only way to transcend fear is to give it love because fear is like darkness and love is like light. And you cannot get rid of fear with fear. You can't get rid of darkness with darkness. You can only illuminate it with light and then it's gone. Mm, I love that. I went, as you're speaking, I'm looking at fear because, I mean, I, th- I think that fear can be a showstopper for all of us, stop us doing the very things that we need to do. But as you are speaking it, and I'm a visual person, I've got the fear is the bridge. And when I, when I think about my experiences with fear, when I walk through it, there's always courage at the end of it. So mm-hmm. it is about embracing it with love and not even to label it as negative. It's just an emotion, isn't it, really, when you think about it? Exactly. We label it as negative. Yeah, exactly. We label it as negative, the fear. Mm -hmm. So even the fear, it serves a purpose. So you have to just hear it out and then allow it to go. So I I give people a tool to to work with, and I'm happy to share this with you. So, So what I do is I actually ask people to imagine that their sixth sense click um, just kicked in. So imagine instead of going from a four sensory being of what we just talked about, going from a blind person to a sighted person, imagine you're now going from a five sensory being to a sixth sensory being, and you can actually see energy in yourself and in other people. Imagine you can actually see like, it's almost like, um, like a circuit of like lights, maybe like, um, highways of lights going all through your own body. You look down at your body and you're like, oh my God, I'm made up of all this energy. But here's the thing, each of us, some of us are more energized, some of us are less. So I tell people, the first thing I want you to do is give your energy a color, any color. It can be gold, it can be white, it can be violet, indigo, whatever color turns you on. Now, just tune into yourself a little bit and ask yourself, how bright is my light? How, how much of this light energy do I have? So they can think, okay, I'm pretty depleted. I've got all this going on in my life and all. I'm pretty drained. So yeah, so it's, it's not that powerful. So what I tell people is, now this, this is what I want you to do. As you go about your day, I want you to observe what makes you feel good, what recharges your battery. So for example, if you are playing with your puppy. It's like you feel great and you're light. Imagine as you're playing with your puppy because you're feeling good, imagine that your light is getting brighter because actually that is what is happening. If you had this sixth sense, if you were a blind person and your sight, your sixth sense sight kicked in, your third eye kicked in, this is what you would see. And this is what I want people to know is that you would see that when you are out with your friends, having a good time, laughing, drinking a glass of wine, joking, having just a laugh, your energy would be womb like this. The light would just emanate. If you're playing with your puppy dog, if you're playing with your baby, if you're having pizza with your children, your light would be just like this. 
But let's say you're in a job that you hate and you're being bullied by your boss. Your light would be like this. It would just shrink right down. Let's say you're overworked and you don't have time for yourself. Your light would shrink like this. So now if you could see this, you would start to understand, oh, certain things make my light bigger. Certain things energize me more. So now let's kick it up another notch. Imagine if your light is down for a considerable period of time, what happens is it starts to drain your body because there's not enough life force energy going into your body. As your body gets drained, physical symptoms start to develop. And these physical symptoms are illnesses. Illnesses come, you know, as a, illnesses are not, um, they, they are symptoms of something that has manifested a long time ago. Before they man manifest physically, something's been going on for you emotionally, energetically for a long time. And it's because your energy has been depleted. So for example, um, even before I had cancer, I used to take care of myself. I used to do everything I could to avoid cancer. I would take green juice and organic and I was vegan because I was so scared of cancer. What I didn't realize that was my obsession with cancer, my fear of cancer that kept me researching everything to get rid of cancer was depleting my energy and making my energy so small for so many months because I was around people with cancer. I was helping people with cancer. I was feeling guilty that I was sick and they were well, continued to deplete my energy to the point where I got cancer. And I feel that this is the missing element when people talk about healing cancer, even if they switch from medicine to natural therapies, to eating healthy and juicing, there's nothing wrong with all of that. But if you're doing it from a place of fear, you're depleting that light. And that's my point. And the most important thing you can do is to shine that light as bright as you can. Do what it takes to recharge that light, to recharge that energy. Observe your energy. Because what happens is when your energy is bright, you, you bring that light to the people around you. You uplift the people around you without even saying a word because you know how people can feel other people. So, Anita, you're saying that basically we, if we fear whatever that may be, cancer, whatever that may be, the fear, we're actually projecting that fear into, you know, or broadcasting it to the universe. And therefore, we're, we're almost like attracting it towards us. And that's that collective consciousness where it's, you know, uh, behavior breeds behavior, like attracts like. Is that what you're saying? So the fear, because you were so obsessed. Okay. But I, 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 uh, I reframe it because if I tell people that your fear is attracting more fear, then they start to fear their fear. Yes. So my message is don't worry about the fear. Just focus on loving yourself and charging your batteries and doing things that make you feel loved and doing things that make you laugh and doing things to make your light shine brighter. Don't focus on the fear. Don't worry about the fear. Because the minute you say your fear attracts more fear, they're going to fear the fear. 
Mm, so true, because that's that point of focus and the intent. As you're, you're sharing this, I'm sitting here going, well, I love what I do. And I think we've had this conversation before, but I think that there, there are days I feel overwhelmed with work, but, so, but it lights me up. But there's that, there's that fine line. So how do we find that balance? What you're talking about is do the things that light you up, yes, but to, to I guess, uh, to the cost of what? So when it's, cost, yeah. The consequences of maybe health or the cost of my health. So when, when you were talking about do the things that light you up, how do we, because I know I'm a miss, Mrs. Yes, so I say yes to everything because uh, I want to help people. But I love doing that. Yet it, there, it, there's that fine balance between I love doing what I do and I don't feel like I'm working a day in my life and then I feel overwhelmed and really tired because it's so much work. It's really important when you feel tired, it's really, really important to take time out and charge your batteries. And the reason is because, and a lot of people don't realize this, and this is a message for healers, teachers, um, nurses, doctors, if you're listening in, this is a message for you. Because we feel each other's energies. You know that. You know that, um, you know, if you put, if, if somebody with big energy walks into a room, you can feel them. Um, you know that there's entrainment experiments done that when you put six women in a in an, sharing an apartment, eventually their monthly cycle starts to line up with each other. So we line up with each other, right? So if you think you are healing somebody, but you are drained, actually you are draining their energy because you're bringing their energy down to your level. So it is very, very important. And so, you know, we... We seem to, so it's very, very important to recharge your batteries, to take time out, recharge your batteries, and do what it takes to energize yourself. And as I said, this is for doctors, nurses. You know, nurses are angels. They overwork themselves. But yet, you know, it's so important for them to recharge their own batteries because if they are emanating good, positive, healthy energy and doctors and healers, they walk into the patient's room, half their work is done already. And, but yet if they are drained and they walk into the patient's room, it's almost like they're not really helping the patient if the patient is drained. And or the, maybe if the patient has, heaven forbid, if the patient has even more energy than them, the nurse or doctor ends up making the patient feel fearful. Yeah. So it's really important to fill yourself up with love. And so we seem to think that it's selfish to love ourselves and to take care of ourselves and to fill ourselves up. We have to go out there in the front line and help other people. But if going out there in the front line and helping other people when we're drained is actually going to drain them, then which is more selfish? Taking care of ourselves first and then going out or allowing ourselves to be drained and thinking it's too selfish to take care of ourselves. Oh, wow. I've just got a universal slap just now. <laughs> Thank you for that. The other thing I was thinking too is love. You, you speak about love, loving ourselves. And I know it's one of those things I still struggle with. Like it's easier to say than actually to go, I absolutely forgive you and I love you when there's this little voice that comes in and goes, but you've you know, that inner critic. So how do you practice loving oneself? And it, it would be a daily practice and get out of your way. 
easy. <laughs> I make things easy. I like making things easy. So people who don't love themselves are very bad at receiving. They're very bad at receiving. They're very good at giving. And that's the key. That's the only thing you need to know. Allow yourself to receive. Do not judge yourself for receiving. Because, so here's the thing. We seem to believe some misguided spiritual belief that it's, it's selfish to receive. It's better to give than to receive. What you don't realize is that when you don't allow yourself to receive, you're blocking the channel, the flow of energy. Because the flow of energy needs to come through you. Because if you just give and give and you don't receive, then what is going out of you? Because you are not a producer of energy. You're a channel for universal energy to come into you and out of you, into you and out of you. So when you have the mistaken belief that I must not receive, and we seem to think receiving is the same as taking, it's not. So if someone compliments you, accept it. If someone gifts you, accept it. People who are givers, who are people pleasers, doormats, empaths, they're very good at giving, but terrible at receiving. And the minute somebody gives them something, a gift or anything, they immediately feel obligated. They feel, oh my God, I have to return the favor. And they don't feel right until they return the favor. Um, now, the thing is, what you're doing is you're wasting the gift when you do that, because chances are the person gave you the gift because they were already moved by something you did. But if you're constantly thinking, how do I return the gift? You're not being authentic anymore. You're almost being dishonest because you now have to think, okay, I have to repay that gift. I have to do that. I have to write that person. But that person reached out to you because they felt moved to. And they felt moved to because of something you did that you felt moved to do. So accept the gift so that you can continue to do what you feel moved to do to continue to be the gift in the universe. Mm. You just described me through and through, Anita. And I, I was thinking too that where does this belief come from? Because as you that's me, tick, 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 tick. But I think it's, it came into my mind that an old teacher of mine from many moons ago, he's no longer with us, but he, he did say to me, it's in the giving that we receive. Yes, yes, sir, it is. But again, you have to watch yourself is that are you receiving from the giving or are you doing it because of your belief that it's in the giving that I'm receiving. And I'm going to pause a moment. Is there too much background noise? I'm going to, no? Okay, that's good. I was worried there's a truck outside, but yeah. Can't hear it. Great. Okay, so um, so the thing is that if you, if the giving is actually enriching you and not making you feel drained, then that's fantastic. So I am specifically talking about people who give and give to the point of getting drained. There is no virtue in being drained. That's what I want to tell you. There is no virtue in being unable to receive. Mm. You to fill up. Well, yeah, no, amazing, amazing uh, little golden nuggets you are sharing with us here today because I'm relating to everything you are speaking about. What has been through your journey? What has been some of those big lessons that you would like to share with us? So my big lesson, the hardest thing for me to do was to love myself and to receive. And yet those are the two traits that actually saved my life. 
the person I was before was someone that couldn't love myself, couldn't receive, couldn't put myself first to the point where even when I had cancer, I was more worried about what everyone else was thinking than I was about my own well-being. That's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. It took death for me to realize, wow, I matter. I am of equal value. I am as divine as everyone else that I give my energy to. And if I don't take care of myself, if I don't receive, if I don't love myself, then I have nothing to give anyone else. And that was my, my biggest lesson, was I am as divine as anyone else. Wow. And it, as you're saying that, I just think of me sitting on the plane when they go through the safety procedures, you know, putting on the mask first before you help your children, as my son is sitting next to me and I'm thinking, no, I wouldn't do that. But it's resonating with what you're saying. You need to fulfill that love and the energy within to then be able to pass that on to others and share with others. Yes, because either you give a healthy self to the world in other words, someone who is full of joy, who is full of energy, because when that is who you are, you are a gift to the world. The world wants to keep you alive longer because you are inspiring, you're full of energy, you uplift people wherever you go because you take yourself where you go. So either you bring someone like that into the world or you bring someone who's depleted, who's needy, who has a hole in themselves that you need other people to fill. So which one do you want to take into the world? And which one do you think other people want to be with? Wow. Amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm actually speechless right now. I'm just taking all the information you're sharing with us because it's relatable. And I'm sure for our viewers and listeners, they'll relate to everything you are speaking about. So on that, what would be that one piece of advice that you would love to share with any of us um, if we wanted to embark on a new way of living? Because you've shared some amazing things, but what would be that one thing that we could focus on today? Have fun, really. Because that is, to me, that's the key. I was too serious. Spiritual teachings um, sometimes can be too serious. They really can. And I think when you lighten up, when you have fun, when you can allow yourself to really laugh, have fun, feel love, um, really feel the joy of being alive. And that's, that's really what it's all about to me. That's what spirituality is. It's really about the joy. When it stops being fun and you're just doing it to clock up karma points, then stop doing it because you're not. Oh, I love that. So what does it look like a day in a life with Anita? Talk us through that. What do you do? Do you, from a, especially from a spiritual self-development uh, point of view, do you meditate daily? Do you, cause, and obviously you have fun every day, but what is a day in a life with Anita? So I'm, uh, so if I'm not traveling, so I do a lot of traveling because I do a lot of speaking events, but if I'm not traveling, then I love writing. For me, writing is my meditation. So I, um, a day in my life, I love cooking. I love writing. Excuse me. I love listening to music. I like, I love lighting aromatherapy. I love fragrances. Um, and I, I have a wonderful husband who's very, very supportive. And the two of us 
we actually like spending time alone because so much of my life is about being with other people. It's about um, speaking in large venues and speaking to audiences. And, and I have a team of people who work with me. So when I'm not working, I love just being alone at home, my husband and I, and we cook and we watch videos and we listen to music and, and, and things like that. Otherwise, a day in my life is getting up, answering emails, putting on some aromatherapy, spending some time uh, alone and just getting some clarity on my thought, spending some time writing, maybe doing an interview or two, going grocery shopping um, and winding down and watching some TV. Oh, and connecting with my team throughout the day and them telling me what they have on the agenda and what I have for them. Uh, so day-to-day -day can be pretty hectic as well. Mm. So do you ever take time out for Anita? Like it sounds like you're really busy and it, I love the fact that you and your husband do, uh, you know, the cooking and the music and I can see that dancing and laughing. But what about time for you? What do you do for you? So first of all, I absolutely love what I do. I love my life. I love the writing, the speaking, creating YouTube videos. I love all of it. Uh, one of the things for me that my life has allowed me to do is to always choose a home by the ocean. For me, that's really important if I'm going to serve the world. So how I look at it is if I'm serving the, the world, I know that the universe looks after me. And the old me would not have been able to receive the gifts of the universe. I would have thought, oh, it's selfish to receive. I can't receive it. Today, I receive it because I know the universe is supporting me so I can continue to do what I do. And one of the gifts is to actually be able to have a home by the ocean. And for me, that's really important. The ocean rejuvenates me. I love being by the ocean. I love the water. I love the beach. And then if I want a bit of fun, apart from going to the beach, the other thing I love um, is I actually love shopping for shoes and purses. That's my weakness. <laughs> I love that. I'm a shoe person too. Yes. I love it. Shoes and handbags. And so when I'm feeling overworked, um, I either go to the beach or I go to the mall and I look at shoes and handbags. That just lights me right up. <laughs> Oh, that is therapy, isn't it? Shopping. I love that too. I think that it makes me feel so happy. I can't even describe it. When I buy a pair of shoes, I get so excited and I spray them and I protect them. I dry them and I put them out there and I look at them and I love that. I love I that. I love that. I love it. I love shoes and handbags yeah. and I love going out for dinner with friends or with husbands, certainly with my husband. So those are the kinds of things I love to do. I love going to the mall. I love going to movie at the end of a day of shopping. So I do all these kinds of things like any regular person and I love them. And that's it. And I think that's what, why I think it resonates with me. It, you don't have to be this big spiritual guru to do what you do. You're actually having a beautiful life. And like you're saying, a normal life where you love cooking, uh, music, you don't have to go and meditate in the forest for, you know, five days a week and become a vegan or, you know, it's, I think that's a really important message to live your life because this is heaven on earth. It's what we do with it. Yes, a hundred percent. This is heaven on earth. It really is. And, and, you know, and really it is. I do all of those things. I'm not as strict about my diet as I used to be to the point of being fearful, but every now and then my body will tell me that, oh, you need to cut back on this. You need to detox. And so, and I will. 
and yet at other times I will have pizza and a glass of wine. So, you know, it's, it really is about just listening to your body. And I do it by watching uh, literally by being aware of where my energy is at. It's about what expands your energy. So if you're eating healthy out of fear, that's shrinking your energy anyway. Mm, love it. So Anita, as we uh, are wrapping up, is there anything, uh, any little gold nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners or viewers today? So I would just like to say, have fun. Don't take life so seriously. Um, laugh, laugh a lot. That is so important. If all else fails, eat chocolate. That always works for me. I love chocolate. Me too, dark chocolate. <laughs> yes. Anita, thank you so, so very much for sharing your wisdom with us. And it's, it's been insightful for me, definitely. I've, I've uh, got lots of notes to write down for myself. So thank you so very much for coming on the show. And I'm sure our listeners and viewers will absolutely love you and reach out. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. This is an absolute pleasure. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on share show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on follow show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you. Content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.